The lovely green bucket just there. Thank you. If you have a Bible with you, please open it up to Psalm number 23. Psalm 23. If you don't have a Bible with you, I'm pretty sure the Methodists are okay with us using their their Bibles, which you can find in front of you. So uh, we are going to be in Psalm 23. Should we pray before we receive the word of the Lord today? Father in heaven, we are so thankful for the freedom to be able to come and to worship you in public. That we don't have to worry about persecution in this nation. We don't have to worry about being thrown into jail simply for gathering to worship you on the Lord's day. We just thank you for that freedom. And God, we thank you for this beautiful, beautiful day as well, Lord God, that you've given us. Lord, as we hear your word today, may we remember that this part of the service where we hear from you is every bit as much worship as when we're singing songs together. And God, as Claire prayed earlier, I pray that this word today from Psalm 23 would be a healing balm to many who've come in here today, including myself. We're all on a journey with levels of brokenness. Lord, may this psalm, may this word from your scriptures be a healing balm to us and may your Holy Spirit be powerfully active as we look at this text of scripture today. Lord, help me as I minister not to get in the way of what you're trying to do, but to be a blessing, Lord God. pray in your mighty name. Amen. Let's read Psalm 23 together. The Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want. He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil. For you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Surely goodness and mercy shall follow me all the days of my life. And I shall dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Amen. This is the word of the Lord. Now, this name of God that we're studying today is, in Hebrew, Yahweh Ro'i. You say that? Yahweh Ro'i. Okay? And it means, the Lord is my shepherd, or Yahweh is my shepherd. And it's found just one place in the Bible in this very first verse of Psalm 23. And this psalm, of course, is written by David, who himself was a shepherd. And so he's speaking from experience here about God as being a shepherd. Now, in fact, although this is the only mention in Scripture of this name of God, Yahweh Roi, God is actually called a shepherd earlier on in Scripture. We find Jacob saying in Genesis 48.15, it says this, The God before whom my fathers Abraham and Isaac walked, the God who has been my shepherd 
all my life long to this day. And as you'll know, if you've read the Bible for any period of time, this image of the shepherd is right through the Bible, isn't it? It's everywhere. You, you read about kings being called shepherds. In fact, Cyrus, the king of Persia, is called my shepherd by God. Um, teachers, the rulers of Israel, the scribes, they were called shepherds of Israel as well. So this, this isn't just found in Psalm 23. This kind of imagery of shepherding is found right the way through the Bible. And this title, being a shepherd, well, what does it speak of? What does it mean? Well, it speaks of a responsibility, doesn't it? A shepherd has a responsibility to tend and to care for their sheep. That's what's so special about this name for God. It's really incredible because this name, Yahweh Roi, it speaks to us very clearly about God's relationship to his sheep. So you know we've studied already, we've studied Yahweh and we talked about what that name means. It, it, it is I am that I am. That speaks about God's nature. It's about him. We've got other names like El Elyon, which is the Most High God. We've got El Shaddai, which is God Almighty. They speak about his character, his nature, his power. Whereas Yahweh Roi, well it doesn't make sense, does it? Unless the shepherd has sheep, he's not a shepherd. So this speaks about you and I as well. If we're a sheep... In God's flock, then this name speaks of us too. The first thing to say before we dive into what it means for God to be a shepherd, I want to say something that's probably going to offend you. It's going to upset some people who haven't maybe thought about this before. But shepherds, shepherds don't herd lions, do they? Shepherds don't herd wolves or eagles they don't shepherd dogs even shepherds look after sheep so here's my question to you are you a sheep are you a sheep because it's not a very flattering comparison is it but what is a christian what is a christian a christian is a sheep a Christian is a sheep that belongs to God's flock. Now, this is the upsetting part, isn't it? Because sheep are notoriously stupid. <laughs> I remember when Mike and Sue lived out in, in Ludlow, and they lived opposite uh, some paddocks, and there were sheep in there, and there were lambs at a certain time of the year. And I remember driving down the road, and Becca and I just saw this lamb just legging it around the road. And it was trying to get back into its field again to its mum. And um, we spent, I don't know how long, just try, trying to wrestle this little lamb that didn't know what was good for it. You know, trying to wrestle it, capture it, put it back in its paddock. And it was a nightmare. And I've known since farmers, I, I used to go down to minister in Hereford quite regularly, in a farming community where they would, um, they'd need help uh, around the time of lambing. So the, the pastor that I would help out, he was a farmer. And during lambing season, he would just call on me and say, can you come and minister because I just need to be present uh, to help with the, the lambs. 
And the pickles that these sheep would get into at lambing season was unreal. Um, you know, just n- not, not accepting their own lambs or, or kind of just, just getting into, into problems, trying to give birth. He had to be there to help them at every turn. So being a sheep is not necessarily uh, the most flattering of comparisons. Um, they're also really, apart from being incredibly thick uh, most of the time, uh, sheep are also, they're not, they're not really equipped to deal with predators, you know, they're not particularly kind of agile or, or clever or smart. They, you know, they're, they're kind of round, uh, <laughs> rotund. You know, um, they don't look very mean. And so uh, they're the kind of, if they're out in a place where there are predators, lions, bears, wolves, uh, the, the wolf and the, the bear, the lion, it's not going to think, man, I, I better weigh up my chances before I take on this sheep. It's going to be easy prey, right? So sheep are also not particularly good at evading predators. Um, and also they pick up a ton of ailments. I don't know if you've ever spoken to a farmer, but trying to keep a flock of sheep healthy is a job in itself. This, like, I, I googled it before this sermon. You know, various illnesses and ailments that sheep can pick up. Have you ever done that? I mean, why would you really? But, um, you know, blue tongue, foot rot, black quarter, like all these horrendous sounding conditions that sheep can pick up. You know, I mean, it would make Dr. Bucky much busier if he was a farmer. Can you imagine that, Bucky? You know, he's got enough on his hands looking after humans, but sheep are worse. Oh my goodness, they pick up illnesses and conditions everywhere. And so basically, sheep need a lot of looking after. Uh, They are basically dependent. They're dependent animals. They're dependent upon their shepherd for survival. So if you want to know God, right, there's only one way to know him fully, and that's as one of his sheep. You have to recognize that to be a Christian is to be called a sheep. It's to be dependent upon God. So if you know you're a sheep, then that means God is your shepherd. It means that you're dependent upon him. It means that you need him. And that's the, that's the thing that offends so often, isn't it? Because if you've ever spent any amount of time on social media, God help you, uh, me too. But on Instagram or Facebook, you see all these little memes that people have made and it's like, you know, there's always pictures of lions, aren't there? Just like, you know, I'll come back stronger and things like that. You can't keep me down, and, and things like that. Nobody ever wants to identify as a sheep, do they? They're always a lion, or a wolf, or an eagle, right? But <laughs> God doesn't shepherd those animals. He only shepherds sheep, and people that know that they're sheep. So I want to ask you that today. Can you identify as a sheep? Can you identify as that? Are you ready to? Because that's the only animals that God tends Someone's barring at the back. Oh, my gosh. Trust the Welsh. Because <laughs> this, this image is something that the world finds offensive, isn't it? The world finds this imagery offensive because everybody wants to be strong. Everybody wants to be independent, don't they? want to be erudite, cool. Nobody wants to be this kind of dependent being. But that's exactly what a Christian is. God only tends to sheep. He shepherds followers and not leaders. Are you a follower? Or are you trying to cut your own path in the world? These are things we have to ask ourselves. Augustine, the church father, he said this. He said, when you say, 
the Lord is my shepherd. No proper grounds are left for you to trust in yourself. That's good, isn't it? When you say the Lord is my shepherd, no proper grounds are left for you to trust in yourself. Now, to me, that's good news. That's good news. I don't know about you, but I already don't trust myself. (laughs) So that's great news. We get to trust in God. Let's talk a bit more about sheep, shall we? We talked about how sheep can be. We talked about their characteristics. But let's say something else about sheep. Sheep belong. Sheep belong. Because sheep, again, they're not like lions or or bears or other kinds of wild animals. Why? Because sheep are property, aren't they? The, The shepherd owns the sheep. They belong to him. The sheep don't belong to themselves. They're actually the property of the shepherd. So a Christian isn't just a sheep, but they're a sheep that is actually owned by God. A Christian belongs to God. Their life is his. So a sheep doesn't have rights over its own destiny. It can't kind of pick and choose who its shepherd's going to be. It's the property of the shepherd. It's the shepherd's to do what he wants with. And that's what a Christian is. It's the person who is ready to have their life be done with according to the will of God. It's somebody who's ready to say, I am not my own today. I belong to another. Like the famous leader of the, you heard of the Moravian prayer movement? A hundred year prayer movement. There was a guy called Count Zinzendorf and he said that. He said, you know, I have realized that I'm not my own today. I belong to another. I belong to God. And it's, it's his choice to do what he wants with me. That's what a Christian is. It's somebody who recognizes they don't belong to themselves, that they're the property of God. Moreover, if the sheep belong to a shepherd, then the shepherd has to have paid a price for his sheep, doesn't he? Now if God, I want you to think about this for a minute, if God is a shepherd, if God is a shepherd and his people are sheep, how did he purchase them? How did he purchase them? Well, we know what price God paid for his sheep, don't we? When we read the most famous verse in all of Scripture, John 3.16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that all who believe on him might not perish, but have eternal life. Jesus said, I came to lay down my life for the sheep. John 10. Okay, So what was the price for the sheep? It was high. It was high. It was the blood of his own Son. I want you to think about that. Do you think that God is going to be ready to let any of his sheep go? Do you think he's going to be happy for a few to wander off here or there, given the price that he paid for them? That's something to think on. In John 6, Jesus says this, And this is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose nothing. Say nothing. I should lose nothing of all that he has given me. Did you catch that? Jesus will not lose anything of that which has been what? Given. Well, what's been given to him? Sheep. But raise it up on the last day. For this is the will of my Father in heaven, that everyone who looks on the Son and believes in him should have eternal life, and I will raise him up on the last day. Wow. It's incredible, isn't it? So the Father is giving people to the Son And he is saying, Jesus, you will not lose any of these. And he's saying, no, I won't. 
Are any of God's sheep, true sheep, going to get lost? I would say that would be a clear no. Now to understand all this language about sheep and shepherding, I think it's really key that we understand what shepherding looks like in the Holy Land. Because we, we know it here, don't we? Probably, I don't know. I remember doing one session in, in, uh, in a church about farming and stuff like that. And, and there were people in there that had no clue. Uh, you know, couldn't describe to you what a farm looked like. So I don't want to make any assumptions. But our understanding of farming and of shepherding probably is more kind of like built around what we see around us uh, in the countryside. You know, maybe a farmer has a head of like a thousand sheep and they've got 200 acres of land and they'll use sheepdogs. If you ever watch kind of the, the sheepdog challenge and things like that, or they'll have quad bikes. Uh, these days they have quad bikes to herd the sheep up and they can let them roam, can't they, over, over massive areas of land. Like when we go to Wales, we see sheep all over the mountains and I'm just like, wow, they, they must belong to somebody. But, but the shepherd's nowhere to be seen. And you wouldn't expect them to be. That's how shepherding's done here. But it's, it's very different in the Middle East. It's very different. Shepherding in, in the Holy Land hasn't really changed very much since the time of David, like 3,000 years ago. You can actually still go to the mountains around Jerusalem in, in Judea, above the Jordan Valley, and you can still see shepherds shepherding their sheep. It's very different to what we find here. Um, there's a few things that really stick out. Firstly, the shepherd always has kind of fewer sheep. They don't have like a thousand sheep. They, they have fewer. Um, secondly, the shepherd actually personally leads the sheep, actually goes ahead of them and takes them from pasture to pasture personally. And then what's really cool is that the sheep in the Holy Land, the way that they follow the shepherd is that they actually, they really do know the shepherd's voice. That's why that verse says that in Psalm 23, is that they're able to distinguish their shepherd's voice from the voice of another. They can tell the difference. And Jesus says this in John 10, doesn't he? He said, but he who enters by the door is the shepherd of the sheep. To him the gatekeeper opens. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name. Did you hear that? He calls his own sheep by name. That means that God knows the names of all of his sheep of all of his people and he leads them out when he's brought out all of his own he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice a stranger they will not follow did you hear that the true sheep of God will not follow the voice of a stranger but they will flee from him for they do not know the voice of strangers incredible so God's true sheep, they know his voice. And those who come and try and steal them, they're not going to follow them because they recognize the voice of their shepherd. There's a few things that a shepherd in the Holy Land would be equipped with as well. They'd have a, a heavy cloak to protect against cold weather because it does actually get quite cold there uh, in the winter, in the mountains. They'd have a staff and this staff or this kind of uh, this crook, that would be to navigate difficult terrain and to pull sheep out of gaps in the earth that they get stuck into. And they've also got a rod, a rod which they'll beat off predators with or a sling as was popular at the time of David to fight off predators. Now at David's time, there were predators in Israel that we don't have any longer. 
There were lions. Uh, we know that to be true. They've actually found lion bones in Israel as well. They don't have lions there now, but in David's time they did. They had bears as well, big actual grizzly bears in Israel, if you can believe that. that David's time they had those. So a shepherd in the time of David, can you imagine what kind of person you'd have to be? To have to walk through these arid areas if you've been to the Holy Land. Water is scarce in certain parts. I think in the Jordan Valley is, is one, if not the lowest point on the earth down by the Dead Sea. It can get extraordinarily hot. It's arid. It's dangerous. You've got bandits. You've got lions, bears, wolves. You had to be somebody who really knew what they were about to be a shepherd in those times. Moreover, the shepherd would have to be aware of the geography of the place that he was taking the sheep through. He'd have to know how to get from pasture to pasture. He'd have to understand about regional weather cycles. So we can see that the shepherd in the time of David would be somebody that was really completely responsible for the well-being of the sheep. Without the shepherd, the sheep would die and die quick in the Holy Land. And we can see from this how serious it would be for a sheep to get separated from the shepherd. Within hours, it's going to get either eaten by a hungry predator or it's going to starve to death. So it's serious and it's very important that the sheep stay close to the shepherd. I think you can see the picture that we're building here of how important it is for a Christian, one of God's sheep, to not get separated from the flock. You've seen that meme that's doing the rounds at the moment with the picture of the lion hunting the baby gazelle. And the baby gazelle saying, I don't need the church. I can believe God on my own. Words to that effect. And that really is the state of play, is that it's so important for the sheep to stay close to the shepherd, to stay in the flock. Because we don't live in a neutral zone, do we? We don't live in a place where everybody's just super encouraging about being a Christian. There are spiritual powers and forces at work, aren't there, that really do want to attack your faith, want to attack you in places of weakness and temptation. So it is so important for us as Christians to be following the shepherd, to be listening to his voice, because without him, we'll perish and perish quick. We can also see something about the personal relationship between the shepherd and his sheep. I think it's beautiful. The, the, the shepherd calls the sheep by name. That's what Jesus says. I call my sheep by name. They know my voice. It's beautiful. It's not like that shepherding here, but that's exactly the relationship that God has with his sheep. He calls you by name. Did you know that? If you belong to God, if you know the Lord Jesus Christ, if you're in a relationship with God, he knows you by name. He knows the most intimate details about you. He numbered the hairs on your head. He sent his own son to die for you. You know, isn't that incredible? The closest name to the Lord is my shepherd that we have in the rest of the Bible is actually our father, which Jesus taught us in the New Testament. The Lord is my shepherd really does speak about God's intimate personal relationship with his people. Psalm 139 verse 16 says, You saw my unformed body 
All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. And in the New Testament, Ephesians 1, verse 4 to 6, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him, he predestined us for adoption to himself through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has blessed us in the beloved. You see, to be a Christian at the very core level, to be a Christian, isn't just to know God. It's to be known by God, right? Romans 8, 29 and 30 says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. You see all this relational language here? And those who he predestined, he also called. Those who he called, he also justified. Those who he justified, he also glorified. A Christian is one of God's precious sheep. He loves his sheep. He paid a high price for his sheep. He knows them each by name. A Christian is someone who's been foreknown by God from before the foundation of the world. A Christian is somebody who's been predestinated by God. A lot of Christians don't like that word, but if you're a Christian and you believe your Bible, you have to believe that God predestined you because that's literally what it says. A Christian is someone who's been called by God. They've been called out of the world and called to follow him through the gospel. A Christian is somebody who's been justified by God. Do you know what that word means? Made right with God. He's dealt with your sin. A Christian is someone who will be glorified by him too at the end of this age. So I think when we read these passages, it seems utterly illogical that God would ever suffer the loss of his beloved flock. For me, it seems foolish that he's just going to let his precious sheep just wander off, get eaten up by predators, or let them die out in the wilderness. Jesus said, I am the good shepherd. I know my own, and my own know me. Just as the Father knows me, and I know the Father, and I lay down my life for the sheep. Do you think if Jesus laid his life down the sheep for the sheep that he's just going to let them scatter? Do you think that's in God's will? I don't think that's in God's will. I don't think God's going to let Jesus be disrespected like that. I think God the Father is going to make sure that Christ gets the love gift that he's given him, which is the church. Because God isn't just a shepherd. He's the good shepherd, right? Jesus, I'm the good shepherd. Christ came to lay down his life for who? For the sheep. For their salvation. You know, I think... When we think of the word salvation, let's talk about that for a moment. We always have a picture in our minds, don't we? If we've been in church for any amount of time, when we think about salvation, we've got a picture of what that word means. But let's just take a moment to think about what salvation means in other contexts, right? Because I think this is always helpful. The football season started again yesterday, Premier League. And we have this word again. The goalkeeper made a save. He made a save. Well, what did he save his team from? The goalkeeper saved them from conceding a goal, right? David 
saved his sheep, didn't he? From the wolf and the lion and the bear. What was he doing? He was saving his flock from being killed by predators. When Christ lays his life down for the sheep, what was he doing? What was he doing? He was saving them. Saving them from what? He was saving them from death by dying in their place. That's the work of Christ in salvation. And I think here, again, the picture of sheep is really important. Because when you think of David saving his sheep from being eaten alive by the predators, what were the sheep able to do? Right, David, if you get down the center, we'll help down the left, all right? Billy, Billy, go, you go around the corner, you help on the right. The sheep could do nothing to save themselves, could they? The sheep weren't assisting David in defeating the lion and the bear, were they? They were cowering, presumably. David did the work. So what work do you think, think a Christian does in their own salvation? <laughs> a lot of sheep like to think that they're there fighting with Jesus to accomplish salvation, but the Bible says no. If he's the good shepherd, he's the one that saves you. It's his work and not your own that saves Let's talk a bit more about Psalm 23 as we draw to a close. I love the next few words that follow, the Lord is my shepherd. Can you say them? The Lord is my shepherd. I shall not want. I shall not want. That's the first thing that David says after exclaiming, Yahweh roi, I shall not want. Or in modern English, I will have no lack. I'll lack nothing. And the CSB, which is a, a Bible translation, the Christian Standard Bible puts it like this. The Lord is my shepherd. I have what I need. I have what I need. It puts it positively. Can you imagine how much peace could crash into our lives if we really believed and understood this? God is my shepherd. I have what I need. I think that's incredible. No matter what the news says, no matter, no matter rather how my body feels today, I have what I need. No matter what my finances are looking like, no matter what the risk to my job is, I have what I need. I want to say this very clearly because I'm preaching to myself as much as you guys, is this is the, the sheep who belong to Yahweh Roe always have what they need. Always. They always have what they need. They never lack. They never lack. They, will, they shall never lack anything. That's what the Bible says. That's what we're called to believe. But I tell you what, isn't it just the greatest battlefield of our lives to try and fight to believe that? I don't know about you, but every day I find the devil giving me reasons to not believe that. One of Satan's tricks is to get us to doubt it. We begin to worry on the shepherd's behalf, don't we? calling out, are you sure you've got the right way? Excuse me, God, this isn't what I expected. Have we gone the wrong way? Have we taken a wrong turn? Or we look at the terrain around us, we look at the problems amassing. We're looking down the road six months and we're thinking, how am I going to get through this? It feels like we're maybe going the wrong way. I, I can't, Lord, I can't see any green pasture over that hill. I, I just want to let you know I can't see anything, 
just trying to help out, Lord. We're trying to steer him. We're trying to backseat drive the Lord because we don't really trust that we have what we need. But I want to tell you something. One thing you'll never see if you go to the Holy Land and you go find a shepherd, you will never see a sheep having a little worry about what direction the shepherd is taking them. I'm telling you now, you won't see it. Those sheep are thick as two short planks. They don't worry one second. They keep their heads down, they follow the shepherd, and they munch as they go. Okay? Now, how much time do we as Christians spend worrying on behalf of God? Trying to do his worrying for him. Trying to backseat drive him. Trying to suggest that maybe, God, you could have done this better because basically we're scared. We're anxious. We're worried that he might have got this wrong. But let's think like sheep, shall we? Let's think like sheep. Let's be a little bit thicker. Amen? <laughs> Let's stop trying to do God's worrying for him. And trust and just keep our heads down. Follow the Lord. And let him lead us to good pasture. It says, doesn't it? He makes me lie down in green pastures. He leads me. He leads me beside still waters. He restores my soul. Now that's a good word right there. He leads me in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. I say this, a shepherd in the Middle East can't help but go through barren valleys. They've got to, because that's the terrain, isn't it? It, it is very dry in places. So those sheep are going to have to walk through dry, arid, scary places as they go from pasture to pasture. But that doesn't mean that they don't have all that they need. And it's the same for us as Christians. We have to walk through scary Things. We have to walk in life through difficult circumstances, through illness in the family sometimes, don't we? Through worries about our jobs or about income, through concerns about relationships that we have. But that doesn't mean that God has lost the way, does it? It doesn't mean suddenly that he's departed us, but it means that he's taking us to new pasture. That's all we need to know. He'll find a way to get us through that valley and out into fresh pasture. Verse 4 says, Even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil, for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. The good shepherd's provision for his sheep, brothers and sisters, is never in doubt. Never. Not for one moment. No matter what I might feel, his provision for me is never in doubt. Verse 5 makes it absolutely certain. You prepare a table before me in the presence of my enemies. You anoint my head with oil. My cup overflows. Wow. Does your cup overflow? Does your cup overflow? His provision sometimes we think is going to be meager or stingy, don't we? We think God's going to provide maybe just enough for us to get by at the 11th hour. But this says my cup overflows. I've got more than enough. God is always ready to give more than we actually need if we will ask him. Romans 8.32 says, He did not spare his own son, but he gave him up for us all. How will he then not also give us all things? Wow. Praise God. And in Matthew 6, Jesus says, Don't be anxious about your life. That's a good word, isn't it? Don't be anxious about your life, what you'll eat or what you'll drink, nor about your body, what you'll put on. 
Is not the life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? Do not be anxious about tomorrow. Tomorrow will be anxious for itself. You know, I think we've gotten out of the habit of thinking day by day. In this culture, from a young age, we're trained to project years into the future, aren't we? Where do you want to be in five years? What's your life plan for 10 years' time? Where do you want to be when you retire? And just naturally, we begin to think decades ahead, don't we? Years and years and years. But the Bible always says day by day, daily bread, right? But we don't think like that now. And I think for that reason, we worry more than we should. God supplies enough grace for each day. Amen? He supplies all that we need for each day. But the problem is, so many of us are not grateful for that. We're not grateful for that because we're looking five years down the road and going, but what about then? Or three months down the road and going, but what about then? Lord, you might have given me enough for my mortgage this month, but what about in six months' time? Let me have a little worry about that. Let me have a little panic party about next year. I know what that's like, but so often we need to just take the blinkers in and just be like, what about today? What can I be thankful for today? Amen. If he feeds the sparrows, he's going to take care of you. He's going to make sure you've got enough. So if you're a sheep, if you belong to God's flock, you will never want. You'll never lack anything that you need. That's what this scripture says. He'll lead you. He'll make you lie down in green pastures. He'll lead you beside still waters. And this is incredible. He will restore your soul. How many of you need a restoration in your soul? Hallelujah. Come on. You know, in in, in the Hebrew, those words there, it's the word nefesh, which means life, okay? Life. And then it says restoration or life again. So he gives fresh life. So yeah, that's true. Firstly, in salvation, he gives you a fresh heart, a new heart that responds to God, that loves him, that wants to know him. But more than that, the journey of a Christian is a journey of having a constant renovation of your soul, constant reinvigoration, new life, new life. Every day I wake up, God is ready to give me new life. Hallelujah. That's a good word. So how many of you want that restoration of the soul? How many of you need that today? I know that I do. I want that. God is able to restore souls. He restores the souls of his sheep. He leads us in paths of righteousness. This is incredible. I want you to catch this. It says that he leads us in paths of righteousness. That means our lives begin to look like righteousness. Progressively as we follow God, our lives are supposed to begin to overflow, overflow with love, with love, with kindness, with good works, with generosity, with grace. Why is that? Is that because we're just working super hard? We're trying extra hard to just be a good person or that we're just a super extraordinary, incredible person? No, our lives begin to look like that. Simply because the shepherd led us in good paths. He led us in paths of righteousness. That's why your life is starting to change. How many of you have seen your life change since you became a Christian? Right? That's because the Lord is leading you in paths of righteousness. That's what the journey is. And what's cool is this passage says why he does it. It says that he doesn't do it for your sake, 
but actually for his name's sake. He leads you in paths of righteousness for his name's sake. You'll be thinking, what's important about that? What's such a big deal about that passage? Well, it means this. It means that God stakes his reputation. He stakes his reputation on his ability to take care of you. Isn't that incredible? God stakes his reputation, his glory, upon his ability to take care of his sheep. So if it's for his own glory, if, if it's for his reputation, do you think he's going to be happy to let his sheep go to ruin? I don't think so. Is the good shepherd actually pretty bad at his job? I don't, I don't think so. I think he's a good shepherd. And some will say, no, 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 you don't understand. It's not because God's a bad shepherd that some sheep go to hell. It's not because he's a bad shepherd. It's just simply that the sheep stop listening to his voice. They stop listening to his voice and they drift off. And in the end, they perish. So it's not God's fault. It's the fault of the sheep. I want to say this to you, my friends. If God's sheep stop listening to God's voice, or if God's sheep can't hear his voice, that means they were never his sheep in the first place. Because Jesus said, John 10, 27, 29, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. That's a promise from Christ. His sheep will what? They will never perish and no one will snatch them out of my hand. That includes them themselves. A sheep is not powerful enough to snatch themselves out of Jesus' hand. My father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of the father's hand. Are you hearing me? Don't be offended at this word. It's wonderful. Eternal security is the doctrine we're talking about here today. So do you hear God's voice? Do you hear God's voice? Do you know the voice of the shepherd? That's the question, isn't it? If you're one of God's sheep, then Jesus says you should know his voice. Now, I'm, I'm not talking for a moment about the, the inner voice of God. You know how sometimes you can get the leading of the Holy Spirit and the Spirit will guide you and lead you. Uh, I'm not talking about that one just now. I'm talking actually about the Scriptures. I'm talking about where we find God's infallible Word in His Gospel, in the whole counsel of God. I'm talking about that Word. Do you hear that one? Do you love that Word? Because it's easy to say yes when we're talking about the inner voice, isn't it? Because I know lots of people who call themselves Christians and they say, God speaks to me. And it seems to me that God never disagrees with anything that they think. It's funny that, isn't it? B.B. Warfield said, He who begins by seeking God within himself may end up confusing himself with God. And I think B.B. Warfield's right. Dangerous. I believe the inner witness of the Holy Spirit. I believe he can, in a sense, speak to us. But it's never going to contradict the word of God, is it? It's never going to contradict the scriptures. So I'm talking about, do you hear the Bible. Do you hear God's voice in the scriptures? Do you love it? Do you seek him out in the Bible? 
right? Do you go to it every day and say, Lord, I'm ready. I'm ready to follow you on the ancient paths. Those ancient paths that your saints have followed for thousands of years. I want to know them. I want to hear your voice in the Old Testament, in the New, in the prophets, in the law, in the gospels, in the epistles. I want to know your voice and I love your voice. If you love and follow his voice in the scriptures, then you know him. You are one of his sheep. It isn't just about hearing it, of course. It's about following it, isn't it? You've got to actually obey the words found therein. So let's examine ourselves afresh today before we finish up in ministry. Let's evaluate our lives. Let's ask the question today, are we one of God's sheep? Is he our good shepherd? It's no good just saying he's a good shepherd, is it? It's no good saying the Lord is a shepherd. It's important that we're able to say the Lord is my shepherd, as David said. And I want to say let's do some ministry time now. Let's just allow the the Lord to move in this communion right now. I think we need to just be open and come as we are now today. As we've heard this psalm, I think we need to ask the question, have we been doing worrying on the shepherd's behalf? Have we been living stressed out that maybe he's taken us the wrong way? Or have we just gotten weary, gotten tired? Do do we need a restoration of our souls today? It also says that he anoints my head with oil. Now that, that talks about, number one, the Holy Spirit, doesn't it? The anointing of our heads with the Holy Spirit. Do we need a fresh infilling of the Holy Spirit today? But another thing that oil talks about is healing. Is healing. Because oil for sheep was used to actually cleanse the sheep to stop, um, stop insects from getting in and laying eggs and stuff like that. It's all really gross. Getting in and laying eggs in the, in the, skins, the skin of the sheep. Um, so they'd anoint the head with oil to prevent that. Some of you, I feel, might need some healing oil today. Some cleansing oil from God. Some balm of Gilead, maybe. We all pick up ailments in the walk of life don't we we all pick up hurts pain soul wounds whatever you want to call them and sometimes we just need our heads to be anointed with oil don't we from the lord and as we come in this time let's believe that he's going to work he's going to touch us afresh so let's stand and we invite mike and, and the team to just come back and in a moment, we'll, we'll worship. But I just want to give an opportunity. Um, I just want to give an opportunity before we do that for some ministry. So if that's you and you want to just say, yep, I need a restoration of life. I need a, a fresh life today. Or if you want to say, I need some healing today from my shepherd. I want him to touch my life afresh. Pop your hand up just now. Come on. Wow, okay. Now... I'm going to tell you what, if, you, if you're with the hands up, could just come down the front and be really brave. Let's just pray here because there's a few too many of you to, to pray for you out there. Come on. That's it. Squidge in. We've got lots of room. Just want a fresh touch today. Praise God. I'm just going to ask for some of our uh, wider leaders, so uh, Mum and Yvonne. If you wouldn't mind just praying for some of the ladies as they stand up front laying hands on. Um, Maggie, 
if you could come and just lay hands on the ladies and pray for them as they, as they just wait on you. Darren, if you wouldn't mind coming and just laying hands on praying with some of the guys. Let's just wait on the Lord for a moment. Whatever it is in your heart that you want, just be real with God. Just be real with him right now. Don't try and be somebody else. Don't try and fake it. Just be honest with him. He's your father. So Holy Spirit, we pray you would come right now in power. That you, our good shepherd, would just come and begin to touch your sheep today. And bring a restoration of life where it's needed. And bring healing where it's needed. I do sense that the Lord is wanting to just break off a spirit of disappointment in people. Just a kind of disappointment with life and how it's turned out. And the Lord is wanting to just say it's okay. And he, don't feel guilty about that. Don't carry that. It's not yours to carry. Just let it go. And he wants to bring a fresh hope to you today senses someone else as well that's dealing with offence somebody's actually hurt you they've wronged you and what they did was severe it was really bad and you have forgiven them but there's still an element of which you're kind of offended at them you're upset with them you're angry you want them to get their comeuppance <laughs> but the Lord's just saying I'll take the offence off you I'll take it if you give it me I'll take it because you can't walk with that so just pray just give him that and we're just going to start singing but as we do I'm going to walk around just going to pray for some of the, the gents here and let's just see what the Lord wants to do the rest of you if you want to sing with the worship team